0: Parenting your much loved dog is a relationship like no other. Our dogs are individuals and there is no one size fits all when it comes to training. Hi, I'm Dr. Holly Tett, professional dog trainer and clinical psychologist, and each week on Letters from Your Dog, we'll look at understanding specific dog training questions and struggles from your dog's point of view. Thanks for being here. Let's get to the episode. Hi there, and welcome back to the Letters from Your Dog podcast. This is episode number 19. I actually feel a little bit nervous about recording this episode, Um, it's about something very very personal to me and potentially very emotive so I'm going to try and hold it together but we'll see what happens. (laughs) So at the time of recording this podcast and actually by the time it airs it will be almost a full year since I nearly lost my very very dear dog Riggs. He is a dog who I've spoken about a lot on this podcast. He is a dog who anyone who's in my programs and courses and Facebook groups will know very, very well. He is my seven year old boy. Had him since he was about six months old. All of the difficulties in the world. um, And we are now at a place where things are just much, much better. However this time last year we had a very very harrowing experience and I wanted to talk about it with you today because I learned a lot from the experience both personally and also in terms of being a pet parent and what it means to be a pet parent and actually how you can think about preparing yourself for when the absolute Unspeakable happens with your animals. So, I wanted to share some of those tips and insights and things that I did that, although it was an awful situation, really helped and actually made things more bearable. In the hope that hopefully you never are, but if you are ever in such a situation, that you'll be able to remember some of these things and they'll be able to help you. Okay, so I'm not going to go into all the gory, harrowing details, but I will just give you a brief description of what happened. So, Riggs had been his normal self there were no signs of anything odd he did have um, a a problem with a couple of his feet he would be a little bit lame sometimes Um, and we went to the vet we had some biopsies done because his nails looked a little bit strange and he was diagnosed with a autoimmune condition which is a very long name which I won't attempt to pronounce Um, but it's basically a condition that destroys the nail beds of the feet now some dogs have it very severe Riggs wasn't that bad he had some vitamin treatment and things were much much better so on the odd occasion where he was a little bit lame on his feet and his nails did look very nasty I must admit I kind of put it down to that we had a few tests and things done and bloods came back normal just sort of keeping an eye on things so he had been out the day before I had a lovely video of him playing with one of my other dogs we're doing some training in the park and then that evening he just was off his dinner now Riggs is half Labrador half Staffy and food is life honestly (laughs) he would eat absolutely anything you gave him he's an absolute (laughs) gannet one of those dogs I think if let's say that he was left alone and the food delivery came he'd probably eat the entire bag so yeah that's that's kind of what we're dealing with and he didn't want his dinner and I thought that's very strange but more than that, he was a bit lethargic. he was again limping a little bit on his back leg, and I was thinking this is this is odd." Um, went out into the garden, a little bit of diarrhea again, I was thinking,, mm, i'm definitely a little bit concerned by this. kept an eye on him. This was about i don't know eight o'clock at night next morning, very strangely, so he always sleeps on the bed with me, and I woke up in the morning and he wasn't there and I was like where's Riggs and I thought maybe he'd gone for get a drink or something and he was asleep on the floor in the kitchen now he's got beds in every room he's got my bed that's very strange behavior so I was like "Mm, something's not right here and I just had that gut feeling because often when our dogs are a little bit off maybe they're sick or they have diarrhea we might leave it a day or two I just felt like I didn't want to leave it so took him into the vets did a few tests, couldn't really see if anything, thought maybe he'd eaten something. No, nothing too worrying sent him home. Long story short, within 24 hours, Riggs had completely lost the use of his legs. He couldn't support his own weight. He fell over trying to go outside to go to the toilet um, and just, you know, weed where he was lying. Um, He was at panting like crazy he was crying he was in obvious pain um so he went obviously of course back into the vets they had him on fluids they thought that there was some kind of spinal issue although there was no obvious trauma that I'd seen but of course that's not always an indicator spinal injuries can occur in all kinds of weird and wonderful ways um so did loads of fluids he perked right back up he was walking again thinking mm, this is very very strange so my vet said look let's get you a referral for the specialist center and um we'll get an mri done anyway because even though he's feeling better that's very odd behavior and we want to make we want to figure out what's going on so we sort of took him home thinking yeah, you know things are much better anyway within a couple of hours things were not better um and he ended up being in intensive care for nearly a week in the end. Um, he We very nearly lost him. So his heart rate was absolutely through the roof. His potassium levels were through the roof, which causes strain on the heart. His kidney levels were atrocious and barely functioning. Um, he had to be in an oxygen tent. He had to be hooked up to some life support machines. He was in a very, very bad way. Um, thankfully at the um, intensive care at the emergency vet they were the most incredible incredible team in the world and they figured out that it was something called Addison's disease and what was happening was he was in an Addisonian crisis this is something that can happen to people and to all kinds of different animals Um, it's not something we could have known about it's not something we could have prepared for it's not something that we did wrong it's genetic and it just happened to trigger at that age Um, and very often that's how it's diagnosed so a dog will go into an absolute life-threatening crisis Um, and then as soon as they start treating them we're (laughs) we're almost back to normal within 24 48 hours which feels like an absolute miracle But needless to say, that wait while he was in intensive care, as we were doing various tests trying to figure out if it was Addison's or if it was something else, was excruciating. And I remember dropping him off. We drove um, to a specialist centre about an hour and a half away, um, taking him in, handing over to the vets. This was all during COVID, so it was all a very strange thing. We couldn't go in with him. Um, They brought out a trolley for him, popping him on there, wagged his little tail, bless him. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and it was absolutely awful. Awful, walking away and leaving him there, but there were some things that really, really helped um, in that week, which I'm going to run through now. So the first one is to diarise. So as soon as he started showing those weird symptoms, I immediately pulled out my phone and I just kept a note, just kept a diary. So. Everything he ate or didn't eat, everything he drank or didn't drink, when he went to the toilet, what that looked like, um, his sleep, his behaviour. So I said about him going and sleeping in the kitchen, weird little things like that. Problems with his legs, some shaking, which we believe was due to pain and is also due to an Addisonian crisis as well. All those weird and wonderful things and also next to that a time log so we kept a very very clear time log this is really important for if your dog has to have some kind of anesthesia or sedative so you can say yes he had a piece of chicken at 10 o'clock or he did have a small meal or he had some water so they can know whether it's safe to perform anesthesia or not the most important thing you can do as well is to take videos so very often your dog will show weird signs like not being able to walk properly and then you take them to the vet and because of all the stress and all the rest of it and the adrenaline pumping often they'll work, walk perfectly normally so taking videos of anything strange taking pictures of diarrhea and vomit it might sound horrible but it will allow your vet to have a little look at what's going on and, and even like help with the diagnostics of what's wrong with your dog so taking videos taking pictures will really really help with all of that before any of this before you ever have a problem think about the relationship that you have with your vet. So first of all, research a good vet, ask for recommendations, don't just go to the one that's down the road. If you've got a specialist breed, maybe there's a vet locally that's actually really good with that breed, they know them really well, they know the various conditions and things that can happen to them. Even if it's things as simple as, so one of my other dogs, um, she's a Pyrenean mountain dog, she's got double dew claws on both back legs that is what she's supposed to have for her breed and they're actually bone those toes in a Pyrenean and um, so for her it's really important that she keeps those toes a lot of vets will see dogs with extra toes and just want to take them off because they think they're going to catch them so just having things like that vets aware that actually no we don't want to do that because I know that breed really well and then really nurture that relationship with your veterinary practice. So it's not about being a kiss ass, but just appreciate them. So for example, I will always get my veterinary practice a Christmas present and um, a new year present maybe. So really thinking about showing your appreciation for the work that they do, because I do, I hugely appreciate that they are there supporting my animals, looking after them, making sure they are safe and sound. So having that fantastic relationship with your vet gives you certain advantages. So in this situation, when I first rang up when my dog was unwell and they were fully booked they were completely booked for three days and I said no look I'm sorry I think this is this is serious I think this is an emergency they found a way to fit us in they got us in there that is really really important and have a vet that's happy for you to seek a second opinion Because the last thing you want when you have a poorly animal is to have that conversation with your vet, walk away and just feel like, "Mm, I think something's been missed here. I think something is off. You want to have a vet that's comfortable to say, yeah, sure, let me bring my colleague in or let's ask someone from another practice to come in and give their opinion as well. That's so important. Having a vet that you feel comfortable enough with and enable yourself to challenge them a little bit. Me, when I'm working as a human psychologist, if someone were to say to me, "Mm, I'm not sure that's quite right. Can we ask someone else? I'd say absolutely, because that will then help us. We'll have two people's opinions and we can find the best care for you. That's what I'm interested in for my animals as well. Okay, next one. If you are given a referral for a specialist hospital, you ring them as soon as you can. (laughs) So when we got the referral for the specialist hospital for Riggs, um, actually they were saying they couldn't take him till the next day. And he was completely collapsed by this point on fluids at the vet. And I was like, "I, I need to find someone that can take him immediately. But in the meantime, I rang up, I accepted that referral. I filled out all the paperwork. I did everything they needed because... There's no chance, there's no guarantee that I'm going to find somewhere else. And honestly, these places are absolutely fantastic. Like we they could not have done more for us. They could not have done more for him. It was it was an awful experience, but an incredible experience to watch them work at the same time. Don't be afraid to call them either, honestly. <laughs> That first night that he was in there, I must have called at 8 p.m., midnight, 3 (laughs) a.m. And initially I was like, oh, gosh, this is awful. But, you know, they know how worried you are and how upset you are. And they were so, so kind to me, honestly. (laughs) And I was just like, is he okay? Is he okay? You know, as okay as you possibly can be in that situation. But that's what they're there for. They're there to help support you with that. So don't be afraid to make those calls if you need to. So the idea of the specialist veterinary centres is they're just tailor-made for situations like this. So despite the fact that it was COVID, (laughs) um, they they have massive spacious kennels, so veterinary nurses and caretakers can get in and cuddle your dog and comfort them. Um, They have a whole team of specialists, so oncologists, neurologists, internal medicine, dermatologists. So for example, my dog had an abdominal scan and it was looked at by all of these specialties. So someone could come along and say nope not me oh nope, not me until we found the one that was the right person which in his case was internal medicine next thing is writing down your questions so if you've ever been in this kind of situation it's so high stress that you get to actually finally talk with the vet and you've forgotten everything that you wanted to ask. So as questions pop into your head throughout the day, write them down, put them on your phone, have them close by so you can ask them. And exactly the same with the answers. (laughs) So when you get your answers to your questions, write those down too, because otherwise you'll have a 30 minute conversation with the vet, hang up the phone, then you'll be like, hang on, what did they say? (laughs) So just remember a stressed brain is not thinking and processing information in the same way as your brain normally would so write your questions down write your answers down I'm going to move back in time a little bit now so thinking about some of your preparatory work should you ever be in such a situation so the first one is crate training now you all will probably have heard my views on crate training many times we've got podcast episodes on crate training we're not talking about just using the crate for your dog sleeping at night what we're thinking about here is providing really fun exciting and rewarding training for your dog so they enjoy spending time in their crate therefore if you if they ever need to be in a situation like this where they are crated 24 hours a day in a hospital they don't have the additional stress of being locked in a crate when they never have been before so take away that additional stress for them by getting them really really loving spending time in a crate a lot of people will crate train as puppies and then once their puppies an adult they throw the crate away or sell it and they never use it again for me my dogs don't spend any amount of time in their crates but once in a while I'll pop them in overnight or I'll pop them in for a couple of hours with a chew and they, they're absolutely fine with it because they've had that fun training to begin with and it means when we were in this situation Riggs didn't have that additional stress of having to cope with the crate as well the next one is muzzle training so even if you have the most placid easygoing dog in the world a dog that is in a lot of pain that is highly stressed and that's being poked and prodded and having needles and pulled this way and that is highly likely to need to be muzzled at some point point. and Riggs was muzzled at one point so think about it this way if you can remember if you've ever been in serious pain like for me personally I had a car accident years ago and broke my back and I have never felt pain like that that was absolutely excruciating I I could have done anything in that moment to be honest it hurts so much that I wasn't in my right mind and that's exactly the same for your dog so Muzzle training is easy. It's fun. It can make it really exciting for your dog. You can start off by getting them to stick their nose in a measuring jug, in a plastic cone, in a rolled up bit of A4 paper, get them to hold it in there for a few seconds, then transfer it over to using an actual muzzle. Again, make that fun and exciting and a nice experience for your dog, so that they don't use their extra energy when they're really unwell, desperately trying to pull that muzzle off their face. That's not what we want them using their energy for in that situation. Okay, the next one is thinking about handling so often we'll take our dogs to puppy class and we'll do a little bit of handling work so touching their paws touching their teeth looking in their ears that kind of thing and then they get to about five six months old and we just don't really do it ever again keep that training up so keep up the training where your dog likes being handled likes being held likes being touched so Don't forget that when they are in that veterinary situation, it's not a gentle little kind of look in the ear. They might need to be restrained. They might need to have their paw very firmly held while we put an IV in there, that kind of thing. They might need to be shaved. All those different things that are very strange experiences for your dog if you've never had them. So whilst Riggs was in hospital, I had a new puppy at the time or newish puppy. I think she was about six months old and I was at home with her practicing. So I would hold the side of her face, not hard, but firmly for a couple of seconds, praise her and then give her a treat in position and then throw a treat away for her to get, take the pressure off. So there I was just preparing her for if she ever has to have her face held onto to have her eyes examined or something like that. So just really making sure they're very happy with being handled and not just in a light way, but in a slightly firmer way as well. Okay. The next thing is thinking about pet insurance. Now this is a topic, it is to each their own, it's going to be a personal choice. Some people prefer to put money away in an account, some people prefer to use insurance, some people don't use either and keep fingers crossed. I know money is a factor as well for a lot of people but I can hand on heart say that having insurance for rigs gave me such peace of mind in that moment because the vets were talking about 6,000, 8,000, 10,000 pound bill. And I just thought, I don't care. Insurance will cover it. That, you know, do what you have to, to save my dog. That is the most important thing to me right now. I would hate for anyone to be in a position where they have to make a life or death decision when it comes to care for their dog because of a monetary situation. And that is the reality for a lot of people. So if you are in a position to get insurance or to put money aside each month to be able to help your dog in that situation, then I would absolutely recommend that you do that. Okay. So finally, I just want to talk about some support for you (laughs) because we've talked all about how we can help our dogs, how we can prepare them for these situations, the kind of things that will help them when they're recovering, all that kind of thing. Um, And just on the, the note of recovery, Really, let your dog take their time with that. That's such an experience. I remember when I picked rigs up in my mind I had this this image in my mind of this wonderful reunion where he would rush across the car park into my arms in reality he was sniffing around he looked at me he wagged his tail and then he was like I just want to get in the car he was pretty traumatized to be honest so we took a good few weeks to get him back to doing his daily kind of activities so there were no walks for a good couple of weeks there were very very short little nice relaxed sniffy training sessions nothing too heavy at all and just kind of taking it by at his time and his pace really Okay, so thinking about you. Take the support. <laughs> I'm someone who very much. I'm very independent. I like to get things in order on my own. I find it really hard to to tell people when I need help. But to be honest, in that situation, I needed it, and I was able to reach out to my friends, to family, and to get support, and to be able to call people at midnight and say, like, I don't even know if he's going to make it. This is horrendous, and to be able to to lean on people in that time. Um. And along with that to actually take the time to look after yourself if you're ever in this situation because again I'm someone that needs to be very productive all the time, got a to-do list of 89 things I need to get through it Um, and my mind was all over the place, nearly crashed my car twice (laughs) so just taking a second to just take some time and realise that actually when you're very, very stressed and very, very worried you just can't function in the same way. So I suppose the last thing I wanted to touch upon here is actually the blessing that this gave me. So it was awful and I would never ever want to go through it ever again (laughs) or for him to go through it ever again. But in all honesty, this phrase kept coming into my head. It's something I heard years ago and it's the degree to which you love is the degree to which you feel pain and that could not have been truer in this situation like i was beside myself with worry for him and now i am so so grateful that i have him in my life honestly like it's often I don't know you're in a bad situation you kind of you start bargaining don't you you're like oh gosh if this can just work out then I will never ever take things for granted ever again and then usually within a week you've completely forgotten about it well I'm guilty of that in a lot of situations but not in this one every single day I wake up I tell that dog I love him I did that anyway let's be honest but I say it more I take time just to sit with him to be with him to spend quality time together it's not just about quick I need to take you for a walk because I've got to rush out well actually let me get up half an hour earlier and take you on a fun enjoyable enriching walk let us enjoy the moments that we have because they're not with us for long enough and he was almost taken away far far too soon (laughs) you probably hear my voice cracking even thinking about it um and I'm glad that he's still with us we got very very lucky but honestly enjoy your dogs enjoy them today enjoy them for all of the difficulties and all the challenges (laughs) Um, and just do take that time to be a little bit prepared in the event that you ever are in such a situation hopefully you aren't um but I hope it's helpful to share some of those kind of tips and uh and guidance with you all right everybody take care bye Hi again, if you would like some more support with your dog training do feel welcome to come and join our free Facebook group Pesky Pooch Dog Training Support where you can get exactly that dog training support and your questions answered. I will drop the link in the show notes. Take care.